If we've never met, my name is Phil. I get the wonderful opportunity to be the pastor of this group of people who call themselves Clarity Church. And whether today is your first time with us or you're someone who has been part of our church for a long time, uh, I just want to always take the opportunity to say thank you for choosing to make uh, our gathering a part of your weekend. And so that means a lot to me, and that means a lot to the many of us who uh, work really hard to create gatherings that not only honor Christ, but give everyone who's here an opportunity to clearly see who Christ is. And uh, today we're beginning this new series entitled Spiritual Habits, Rhythms for Building a Life on Mission. Uh, For those of you who are maybe not familiar with this phrase, on mission, that we kind of use here a lot. I know that sounds kind of, uh, as I was thinking about this from maybe the aspect of someone who who hasn't like sat in our seats and talked the talk that we talk, it it sounds like, what are you guys, in the military or something like that? But (laughs) here's what you need to know. When we say on mission, when Clarity says, uh, talks, when we talk about living on mission, what we're simply talking about is living the kind of life that God created us for. That we believe that God created every human being, including those who might not have even figured out if they believe everything they've heard about Jesus in the Bible. Listen, if that's you, God has a plan for your life. We believe that. And he has a God-designed, a God-inspired, and a God-sized mission for you and for your life. And uh, we who are Clarity Church just want to live our life to to that fullest potential. Not to our fullest potential, but to God's fullest potential that he can do through us. And so that's what we mean when we say on mission, don't get chipped up by it. Um, And the kind of life that we believe that God has created for life is really a life that is centered on Jesus. And so uh, God's mission for our life is that we would be people who would know Jesus. You've heard me say this before, uh, that that a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus is someone who would know Jesus, believe in Jesus, and become like Jesus, right? So this is simply what it means to be a disciple. We want to know who Jesus is. We want to believe in Jesus. That's more than just acknowledging that he exists, but actually putting our faith and trust in him, trusting him as the Lord and Savior of our life. And then we want to become like Jesus. That not only means in our character and who we are, but also in the outflow of our lives and the everyday rhythms that we live with every person that we touch. And so that's what we mean when we say living on mission. So if this is the mission that God has for all of us who desire to grow spiritually, then how we grow can be defined by the title of our series. How we grow can be defined by the title of our series. And it's simply this, spiritual habits. Spiritual habits. Now, spiritual habits are the scriptural rhythms for our series. This is what we're going to define what spiritual habits are. They're the, the scriptural rhythms of living that God uses to make us more like Jesus in our everyday rhythms. Spiritual habits for the purposes of this series are the scriptural rhythms of living that God uses to make us more like Jesus in our everyday rhythms. Now, uh, before we talk about spiritual habits, I, I do want to make a few observations about habits just in general and habits, you know, just in general. First thing is this, and, uh, it may just be me, but when it comes to good habits, good habits are often things that I know um, that, uh, that, like, that are good for me, because they're called good habits, but they're things that I don't want to do, right? <laughs> they're, they're, they're habits that I know, like, ah, I should probably do that, but I don't. Like, eating healthy, or maybe exercising. Why are you laughing at that? Are you, you, you know that I struggle with that? Okay, just don't, don't call me out like that. 
Oh, okay, you too. Very good. Good, thanks. I'm not alone. Thank you. Um, so in these next first five minutes, I always begin my messages by kind of just pouring out my heart and airing out my dirty laundries. That's okay. okay. Um, so, but some other good habits, like uh, maybe not checking my phone while eating with the family. You know, that we know that's a good habit. Don't check your phone while eating with the family. Spend time with the family. Be fully engaged. And speaking of checking on your phone, uh, in the age of social media, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that, whatever new thing that's going to be out there, there is no shortage of people out there, and you know this, there's no shortage of people who are willing to share how they're just absolutely killing it at implementing spirit, uh, ha- good habits in their lives, right? I mean, you, you open it up and you see all these people with their chiseled muscles, right? And they're like... Yeah, I used to be, and then they had this before and after, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm both inspired, but I both am filled with hate at the same time. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I hate you. <laughs> you and your macros and micros and, and all your positive thinking and killing it, you know, just getting out there and storming the day, and I just want two more hours of sleep. Can I get that, please? Wish someone would start a podcast about how to get two more hours of sleep. I would follow and buy that book. That'd be awesome. But the first thing, uh, that's the first thing I noticed about habits. They're, they're, they're kind of things that, like, you know, that are good for you, but sometimes you just don't do it. Uh, a second thing about habits is this, um, and, and maybe you too, you know, that things that start out as habits are, are usually uh, things that you have to uh, enable discipline with, right? And then... And then as you become disciplined with your habits, they eventually become something, not only that maybe you enjoy, but they become an obsession. They become a lifestyle. I mean, take healthy eating or working out. I, I've got a friend, Caleb, okay? He is obsessed with working out. You should check his Instagram page. He's one of the guys that I love to hate, okay? He's like, yeah, getting up in the morning. I follow The Rock on Instagram, and, you know, he's another brown dude that I just love to follow because, like, you know, I just want to be able to wake up in the morning and be like, you're welcome, and just flexing my guns and stuff. But then I look at him, and he's like, he gets up at 4.30 every morning. I'm like, no. <laughs> For his first workout of the day, no, no. As we used to say in the 90s, homie, don't play that, okay? <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because that was all that Anna. Thank you very much, all you 90s people. There you go. Uh, where was I? Oh, goodness gracious. All right. But there, you know, these people, they, 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 they start these habits, and, you know, it was just a habit. It was a discipline first, but then it becomes this obsession, and they have to do it, and it becomes their life. Uh, now, I don't have a story about working out, obviously, but uh, for me, when I was five years old, I took piano, and uh, my parents signed me up for piano lessons because I love just banging on the keyboards, and I love making that sound and, and trying to make up some stuff with it. Eventually, my parents set me up with a teacher, and a teacher wanted me to read music, and the teacher wanted me to play scales. And I was like uh, Daniel's son, you know, waxing the car on and off and painting the fence and, you know, doing all this stuff. And I, I didn't understand what it was all about. And but my parents, they made me. They made me practice my scales. They made me sight read my music. And then eventually, 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 something clicked. And this is what you know about good habits. Eventually, if you stick with it long enough, those habits click. And now they become the very thing 
that is, is, is kind of part of the passion of your life. And so I eventually uh, became the kid who, who dreamed of, of going to Juilliard uh, and, you know, and studying music. And then, and then I got saved. And I was like, oh, I love music, but I love Jesus more. So what am I going to do? I'm only good at music. And I was like, maybe I'm going to be a music pastor. So then I went to Bible college and I became a piano major and I studied and I studied. And I loved it. I spent like 20 hours a week in the, in the practice room. And I loved it for most part. <laughs> I loved it. And, and, and these, these things that started off as habits eventually became the passion of my life. So, so I know that. And, and maybe you have your own story. Maybe you have your own story. Some of you, anyone runners here? Runners here? Yeah, I mean, you like running. I just you like running. That's the difference, right? Right? So, yeah. And did it start off that way? No, no. You, you took that first couple steps and you're like... <laughs> going back inside, right? But eventually you said, no, this is good for me. I'm going to do it. And then it became something that you love. This is what we know about habits. Um, you know, the last thing I observe also is that good habits always result in progress. And that's, that's what we know. Uh, and, uh, and, and the other thing we know about good habits is that uh, your attitude about your habits don't necessarily diminish the effect of what healthy habits do for your life. For instance, uh, a year ago, I was practicing the healthy habit of eating good and exercising five days a week. And I had a terrible attitude. <laughs> I was just going to, there were weeks I was just grumpy because I was getting healthy. I'm like, I hate this. But guess what? My grumpy attitude didn't diminish the fact that I was losing weight, that I was getting healthier. And so this is what we know about good habits. Even though I don't want to do it, it's still what? Good for you. So good habits always moves us towards something. That's what we know. And when it comes to spiritual habits, spiritual habits are the things that God uses to move us towards becoming more like Jesus. And when we grow spiritually, it simply means that we're becoming more and more like Jesus in the way that we trust our Heavenly Father and in the way we show our love for others. And so over the next five weeks, what we're going to be doing is, is specifically talking about key spiritual habits. Uh, there's a lot of different ones, but we're going to be focusing on just a few of them. We're going to be talking about worship. We're going to be talking about scripture learning. I like saying that better than scripture reading or studying the Bible. I like, so I like to say scripture learning. Uh, we're going to talk about solitude, the, the, uh, the, the habit of solitude, prayer, uh, fasting, that, that kind of the, the, the strategic disengagement for the purpose of God's holiness in your life. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, 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 the habit of, of evangelism, whether you, whether you realize this or not. It's an, an actual habit. It's a discipline of the, of the followers of Christ since the beginning of the church. And then we'll talk about stewardship, what you do with your time, your resources, what you do with your life and the gifts that God has given you. That matters. But before we talk about spiritual habits and how they apply to your life and why anyone would really want to engage in spiritual habits, I first want to establish what spiritual habits are and what they are not. Uh, much of this uh, material, uh, just out of full transparency, much of this material for this series comes out of a book entitled Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Don Whitney. So if you want to pick that up yourself, you feel free to, to grab it. It's an actually really great book. And uh, 
what you need to know, I think for some of you, if you're maybe like a theological nerd and um, you're wondering where, you know, know, if we're going to introduce things with like Dallas Willard or maybe Ruth Haley Barton, uh, I don't have, we don't have enough time to even talk about it. And it's really not uh, maybe even prudent, but um, if there's going to be a voice to listen to regarding spiritual disciplines, I tend not to listen to the the Dallas Willard, Ruth Haley Barton kind of group, and uh, I, I kind of sit more with uh, the stuff here that, that Don Whitney. So if you're, if you're just wondering, if you know, I'm just throwing that out there just in case some of you care about all that kind of stuff when it comes to spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines. But uh, one of the things that <clears throat> I love, and these are the points that he makes in his book, and I'm, they're well-written, so I'm just going to share them with you. But these are what spiritual disciplines are and are not. First thing is this, spiritual habits are both personal and interpersonal. They're personal. It's what I do by myself. But spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits are also interpersonal. It, they're things that God uses to grow my faith, to transform and conform me to Christ-likeness with others. Because people, of follow, people who are followers of Christ, we're individuals. I'm an individual. But we are also part of the body of Christ. It's both. And depending on how you're wired, each person will have varying degrees, right, to how uh, they're inclined, maybe towards spiritual habits that are practiced individually, and others will be inclined to spiritual habits that are practiced corporately, right? There's some people who think that uh, they can be all that God wants them to be, even without the church. And some, some would even dare to say that because they're not part of a local church, which taints the the, the pure heart of the true nature of following Jesus. And I, I know I'm making fun of people who say that, but they, they really do believe that. They're like, you know, I'm actually healthier because I'm not part of a local church. Listen, there is nothing farther from the truth, and that is a lie from the devil. I'm going to go as far as saying that. And there are people who say that, that just by disciplining themselves with spiritual habits, they can faithfully become all that God has wanted them to become. That is an absolute lie. And then there's some people who think that they can be all God wants them to be if they just simply engage in, in the life of the church. That, that, like, you know, if I could just go to church regularly, if I could be a leader, if I could, you know, uh, get on staff, if I could be on board, if I, can, if I can sing on stage, if I could get to preach, if I could be so deeply ingrained in the life of what is the church, then, then I'll become everything that God wants me to be. And and listen, I want you to know that is a lie too. That is a lie too. To quote Don Whitney, he says, on the other side, there are others who could be equally deceived that they'll become all God wants them to be if they're deeply involved in the life of the church, believing that somehow their participation in meaningful church activities will compensate for the lack of personal devotional life. And there are people who are like that. Maybe, that's, maybe that has been you. Uh, I know uh, if I was to go one way or the other, that is definitely me. Uh, the, uh, I, I overcompensated my involvement in the life of the church for a lack of ability to have personal discipline regarding spiritual habits. In other words, spiritual habits will find themselves most effective when practiced in the context of your personal life and in the context of community with others. It's not enough just to worship by yourself. You should also worship with others. It's not enough just to learn the scriptures by yourself. 
you should also be learning the scriptures with and, listen, from others. And if you have a hard time being in situations where you learn the scriptures from others because you're just, you know, you don't mean to be, but you're the smartest person in the room, I want to let you know, you're not as spiritually mature as you think. God wants to do something in your life, both personally and interpersonally, because spiritual disciplines are both personal and interpersonal. Here's the second thing. Spiritual habits are also practices derived from the gospel, not divorced from the gospel. This is really, really important, I think, because I think this is where some people um, uh, get a little lost because now spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits now become the new religion, and they forget that their life is, is in and from and exists because of the gospel, and spiritual disciplines are just a conduit by which building in a Christ like this. And so some people build this new life of, 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 uh, of religion, and it looks like spiritual habits, and they, they think they call it Christianity because it looks like they're growing, but it, in fact, they're just really... Uh, building a religion on their ability to do and not on the ability of God to actually transform them more like Christ. So in other words, when spiritual habits are practiced right, they take us deeper into the gospel of Jesus and the, ma- and the amazing good news that it contains and, and not away from it as though we've moved on to more advanced levels of Christianity. And so if you are practicing spiritual habits right, what you find yourself is becoming more enthralled with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and not finding yourself or seeing yourself as though you have moved on into to greater depths and heights of spirituality. So I've taken some time to talk about what spiritual habits are and are not. Um, Let's talk about why would anyone want to engage in spiritual habits? Because I think that's a really big, important question. And really to start this conversation, I want to take you to what at least I feel is probably one of the the best illustrations of why anyone would want to make spiritual habits part of their everyday life. And um, it's not your typical passage that you would maybe find for uh, this talk of spiritual habits, but I think it's a good illustration uh, it's a story found in the part of the account of the life of Jesus as recorded by a guy who was a doctor and eventually became a disciple of Jesus when, when Jesus said, hey, come follow me, and his name is Luke. And so I don't know how familiar you are with the narrative of the life of Jesus, but this is the part of Luke's account of the life and teaching of Jesus in a place we call Luke chapter 19. That's where we'll be if you want to follow with us. But this part of Luke's story finds us in the middle of the events that eventually leads to Jesus' journey towards his death on the cross. So imagine with me, if you will, you're putting yourself in this situation. You know, Jesus knows his impending, his impending death is coming, and, and this is where, where we find it, like in the middle of kind of the events that lead right up to this. And, and with that in mind, as we read what we're going to read, I can only imagine the intense focus an intention Jesus had as he began the countdown of what would be his final days on earth. I believe that Jesus was focused, laser focused on the mission God sent him into this earth to fulfill. And what was that mission? Well, the end of the passage that we're looking at tells us, it says in Luke 19.10, Jesus says himself, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. 
Well, the mission of Jesus was to make it possible for people who were disconnected from God to actually be connected into right relationship with God. That was his mission. But the part of Jesus' story, I believe, is the great illustration of why anyone would want to begin practicing spiritual habits in their life actually comes in the verses before. Uh, it's something that I like to call, um, if I was like an editor of the Bible, you know, they all have these headings about the section. Uh, I would probably call it like Jesus' ministry to short people. This is, it's, that's how I like it. That's how I roll. So um, maybe you've never heard this story, but you'll understand. Let's look at this real quick. It says this in Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a, and a, oh my goodness, you went to the same kids' concentration camp I did too, didn't you? That's awesome. That was easy. Just kidding. If, y'all, if that was weird to y'all, we are not sorry. <laughs> he was a chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus, who was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly came down, and he, he took Jesus to his house in, in great excitement and, and joy. But the people, <laughs> they were displeased. He is gone to be with the guest of a notorious sinner. Sinner. What's a sinner? I don't know. But I know what a sinner is, and that was Zacchaeus. Hmm. And they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Catch this, catch this. He just met Jesus. And, and, the whole, and one of the big things you can get from this is it's amazing what God can do to your life if you just meet him. Listen to what he does. This is, this is not just a, a kid's story. Like, this is legit stuff. I will give half my, half my wealth to the poor, not half my paycheck, half of everything that I literally own to the poor. Was he committed? Was something, did something change? You better believe it. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And if you know anything about the history of tax collectors, he did cheat people. <laughs> so he was paying some people back. It's crazy. Luke goes on. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then we have our verse in the context. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost, just in case anyone had the idea that it was by his giving away to the poor and the sacrifice that he had made that Zacchaeus had found salvation. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I have come to seek and I save the lost. 
The, main, the most amazing, some people are like, okay, we're spiritualists. That's a great story, Phil. You know, listen, the most amazing part of the story, obviously, is definitely what we learn about who Jesus is. And specifically, that, that Jesus is a person who embraces people where they are so he can lead them to live the kind of life they've never lived. Not just to a better life, but a new and transformed life where their identity doesn't come from the world or from what a person wants. It doesn't come from what even I want for myself, but my identity, it comes from who God says I am. You know, that's great. And, and you know, as is often said with many gospel-centered communities of faith, God loves you as you are, but God doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants to transform you from the inside out. And this inside-out change is, is primarily the reason why we're spending time looking at spiritual habits for the next five weeks. Because they are the way in which God transforms us from the inside out. But like most habits, they require commitment and intentionality. I like uh, what... Don Whitney says, again, from this book, just some good stuff. Uh, he said, think of the spiritual disciplines or habits as ways by which we can spiritually place ourselves in the path of God's grace and seek him, much like Zacchaeus placed himself physically in Jesus' path and sought him. So here's the question. That um, I, I just think it's really important for us to ask as we head into a series like this. If you're someone who has decided to follow Jesus, when was the last time you spiritually placed yourself in the path of God's grace and sought to know him and be changed by him? You can ask yourself the question. It's totally fine. Like, if you follow Jesus, I, listen, if you're someone who doesn't believe everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, this is all just pure entertainment for you because we're about to talk about things we do as people who follow Jesus and commitments we make that actually seem crazy. And, and actually, here's a, here's a cool thing. You're actually invited to try all of these out because actually we believe that uh, Jesus invited his disciples, by the way, <laughs> to actually live out the life of becoming his disciples. And none of them actually believe he was the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, some of them did. You know, Peter did on this rock. But most of them didn't believe it until after he rose from the dead. But he's, they still got to be called his disciples. And so even if you haven't figured everything out, like you get to try this out. But there, there's, no, there's no sense for me that like I'm, you have to do this. But listen, if you follow Jesus, if you, if you say, I want to be submitted to Christ, I want every single day of my life to be uh, this, this uh, I, I want to position myself to increasingly submit my life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listen, this is a good question for you. When was the last time you spiritually placed yourself in the path? You intentionally, with commitment, placed yourself in the path of God's grace and sought to know him and be changed by him. I guarantee you, your employer doesn't pay you 
to live life like that, and so you don't have that motivation. I guarantee you the health and wealth, at least what you think, of your children doesn't beg you to place yourself in the grace of God and to, to, to know him and be known by him. It, your, 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 uh, your, your spouse isn't asking you and begging you and saying, if you don't put yourself in the place of God's grace and get to know him and I'm leaving you, there's, no, there's nothing in this world that's gonna motivate you towards that except the Spirit of God living in you and your desire to become like Jesus. And so let me ask you again, if you are someone who loves and follows Jesus, when was the last time you placed yourself like Zacchaeus did in front of God's grace so that you could become, that you could be transformed, that you could be conformed to the likeness of Christ? You know, in the same book, uh, that I've been mentioning, the author makes the observation that uh, makes the observation that many authors and pastors uh, really have written and said in many different ways when talking about the things that God uses to transform and conform us to Christ likeness. He he says, you know, God uses uh, he, he says three things. Andy Stanley says five things. Uh, you know, all the different kind of things. But I, I like what this author says. He says God uses three things to, to to conform us and to make us like Christ. First, he uses people and circumstances. Um, you know, Andy Stanley calls it providential relationships and pivotal circumstances. But the third thing that God uses to transform and conform us into Christ's likeness are spiritual habits. God uses spiritual habits to transform and conform us to Christ's likeness. And again, it seemed like a sermon from the book, but I'll, I just want to read this from you. Don Whitney says this, unlike, uh, unlike the from... Oh man, I totally typed that wrong. <laughs> Unlike the other two methods of change, God gives us greater measure of choice regarding the involvement with the spiritual habits. We often have little choice regarding the people and circumstances God brings into our life, but we can decide, for example, whether we will read the Bible or pray today. A deep, insatiable hunger for the Bible is a gift from God, but... We are the ones who must turn the pages and read the words. God doesn't pull our passive bodies over the desk and cause our hands to open the Bible and draw our eyes back and forth over the pages without any effort on our part. So, uh, let me ask this question maybe in a different way and maybe in a more focused way. Do you want God to transform and conform your life in such a way that you actually look like Jesus? Maybe I should have started with that. Do you actually want God to transform you, conform you, so you look like Jesus? If so, then... These next five weeks are kind of an invitation to uh, understanding what it means to engage in spiritual habits. And uh, I have an illustration, maybe to go back to my youth pastor days, because this is what youth pastors do. You have to have like a, is that cool? Can I do an illustration real quick? Some of you, this is like the most exciting part of my talk, so. Um. 
Over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about how spiritual habits engage our lives in the transformation and the confirmation process of becoming more and more like Jesus. But maybe all the words that I used in the scripture verses I said and all the effort I gave in trying to be persuasive didn't really help. So I, I've got a really cool uh, illustration that I think I'm hoping it'll work. Let's see. You know, our lives, the full life in Christ is a lot like chocolate milk. Hold with me for a second. Some of you want to drink this, but just hold on. This milk has been sitting in that good thing for a long time, so. Oh. But if you pour chocolate in the milk, and you let, oh, yeah. You keep on going? Oh. That's good. Mmm. I can see I have your attention. Should have started with this illustration. But let's compare the glass of milk to a person and chocolate <laughs> to the spirit given to the person as they receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Well, we understand that. We believe that when we become followers of Jesus Christ, you know, God gives us his spirit. Literally, we are now one with his spirit. But if you pour chocolate in the milk and let it set, the chocolate does what? It stays at the bottom, right? A person is given the indwelling of God's spirit when they receive Christ and they are justified before God. That is true. But I'll take that same milk with the chocolate at the bottom and stir it up. Mmm. Yummy. Oh, <laughs> that's some goodness, right? Look, you got yourself what? Some chocolate milk. And the milk and the chocolate, what do they do? They begin to blend together. And you have chocolate milk that, let me see. That's good chocolate milk. That's some, that's some, that's really sweet, by the way. Y'all are terrible for making me put all that in there. The stirring is the believer allowing the Holy Spirit to change and transform their soul. And through spiritual habits, spiritual transformation occurs. Does that make sense? Okay. So let me ask this question. Do you want God to transform and conform your life in such a way that you actually look like chocolate milk? Because <laughs> so let me tell you, Jesus is sweet. You like that? I wasn't in my notes, so. If you do, if you do want to look like Jesus, then this is an invitation over the next five weeks. We are going to be talking about how to stir <laughs> your life in such a way that you look like Jesus so that you and I together can pursue building a life on mission with Jesus with God.